Hey guys, David the Healthness Coach here yet again with another episode. Side note, when it comes to the whole communication thingy, whether on my social media um, or even here on my podcast, I'll be the first to say that I absolutely suck at it. But as I've gone on to do more and more of these podcasts, I'm starting to find that I'm becoming better and better at speaking and communicating my thoughts in a somewhat coherent and cohesive manner. So I'm super grateful for anyone who has stuck through my ramblings up until this point, up until this point, partly because uh, I feel sorry for you, <laughs> but I want to thank you for sticking around. Um, I would say that most people tend to focus far too much on delivery and not the message. So once again, I want to thank each of you for sticking around and tuning in over the last year. Today, I'm going to be going over what the spirit portion of my company is, what it means. I think being that I work in the area of preventative measures as it relates to health and fitness, it's super important that we speak on the psychological factors that play into the daily decisions that we decide to make. For example, we can make the decision to pay maintenance on the car on an average of every four to six months that may cost anywhere between 150, 300 bucks, or we can wait two years before that smaller problem now becomes a bigger $4,000 plus issue. The same thing applies to your fitness. I believe that prevention is far less costly than having to find a cure. So it really comes down to what pulls us, and that's essentially what spirit is. It's what pulls us and how we can learn how to direct that pull into the decision-making process that brings us the things we look to accomplish long-term from life. I think a lot of our daily stressors tend to be associated with the decisions we choose to make daily because I believe that we are in more control than we give ourselves credit for, not realizing the effects this can play on our physical health, and even our aesthetics when we believe that we're doing everything right as it relates to nutrition, exercise, sleep. I don't think, once again, that I've had the opportunity to explain in detail about what spirit is in the title of my company and what it really means. So I look to explain that in a little bit more detail here. And again, I've said this in another podcast, disclaimer, I am not a therapist, nor am I any sort of mental health counselor. I suggest that if you have any sort of mental health struggles or anything that you're dealing with in your life currently, um, that you do associate with the proper health professionals. And then another side note beyond that, um, I'm still raising money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation at this point up until December 31st, uh, 2020. So if you'd like more information about this and how you can get a free at-home fitness program with some nutritional information, please don't hesitate to contact me. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And as always, if you've got questions, comments, concerns regarding your health and fitness, feel free to contact me via Instagram, healthness4cnd, or via my email, healthness469 at gmail.com. So in order to understand spirit, we need to first delve into what my understanding of spirit actually is. I believe that we all have a consciousness that is in somewhat an incarnation of our spirit and your spirit being the thing that pulls you. An example of this would be an individual who for some reason sees a guitar and feels 
absolutely attracted and passionate to playing it. Normally, the passion that this person has, they wouldn't necessarily understand or know why they're so attracted to playing the guitar. And quite the contrary, you can find people who play the guitar very well, maybe because they saw family members playing it or someone around them play the guitar, but they don't have the same innate sense of purpose playing the guitar than someone who is spiritually pulled to do so. Again, spirit is the thing that pulls you. I remember my brother and I watching Jackie Chan movies when we were kids, Jet Li movies as well. Um, And for me, I wanted to be Jet Li. Like that was like being Jackie Chan or Jet Li was like the thing when I was a kid, right? And I wanted to do every single martial art move that I saw them do along with all of those incredible stunts that they did in their movies. And I was so attracted to the idea on based on everything that I saw that martial arts eventually became a part of who I am from the TV shows I watch currently and even in, in the past like Dragon Ball and Power Rangers to the Kung Fu school my uncle enrolled me in as a kid that I didn't really pay attention to. That, but that's a different story for a different time. My little brother, on the other hand, while he enjoyed watching martial arts movies for entertainment, and he would sometimes allow me to, you know, have him in the room with me. We were both pretending to fight a bunch of gangsters in an alley. He was not as fascinated nor had the same interest or passion about martial arts that I did. Again, spirit is the thing that pulls you. And I know that I'm using examples of entertainment, but this also applies to one's purpose. Anytime you hear someone speak about how passionate they are about something that they don't necessarily have a reason why they are passionate about that thing or this thing that they enjoy doing every single day, I believe that it is their spirit that is connecting them to that particular thing that is pulling them towards that particular passion. And I think that the fact that we are attracted to things that we don't necessarily understand the reason as to why we're attracted to them plays a huge integral part into what differentiates each and every single one of us. My goal as a fitness company is to, of course, help individuals attain and accomplish overall fitness from a physical perspective, whatever that might mean to them, but also allow individuals the opportunity to accomplish finding long-term happiness in the thing that pulls them that they are passionate about, i.e. spirit. This in turn will allow them the opportunity to make better decisions daily for the goals that they have set out for themselves. And of course, in part, This can be discovered while working towards accomplishing any sort of fitness-related goal. The issue, I think, is that our spirit and consciousness can be pushed through perception based on experience and beliefs, etc. And mix the interpretation or the intention behind where our spirit is trying to pull us as it relates to long-term happiness. Spirit can pull us in the direction where the outcome is either good for you long-term or short-term. Short-term fulfillment is often short-lived, whereas long-term fulfillment is often, as you guessed it, lasting. As I said in my previous podcast, the problem is that the line 
often gets blurred between a want and a need. I believe that if you want to live a life with the least amount of psychological stress possible, that short-term fulfillments should be based mostly on needs. If a short-term fulfillment is based on a want, it should be limited as to not interfere with the process of long-term happiness or not over overcome the ability to progress in your daily life. Long-term fulfillments, those can be left mostly for wants. And a person can live a long time without a want. They can live a while without a want, but they can't function well or even live well or even, even survive without a need. I think that understanding this concept opens a myriad of doors to under, of understanding as it relates to why society is under so much psychological duress, especially with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, which has amplified this notion by a thousand percent. Think about this. If you were given no food for five days and you were starving, imagine the risks that you'd be willing to take both probably um, illegal and moral, in order to just get some food because you're hungry. We need food to survive. I think that's a given, right? Now imagine blurring a want with a need. Imagine needing a vacation overseas at a resort so badly that you're willing to sacrifice spending quality time with your loved ones to get it. Imagine needing an expensive car or a more expensive car so badly that you miss out on investing time into your health and fitness. We have to end up spending so much time, so much of our time trying to accomplish the things that we think we need. Social media is also a part of this issue, I believe for one. Um, We seem to live in a world where we have unlimited access to others and other people that put us in these weird, awkward positions where we tend to compare our lifestyles to what we think we need. Then we're depressed when we haven't actually accomplished those things because we think that maybe there's a problem with me. Maybe I'm the issue on why it is that I can't get the thing that I need. Again, these are wants. We also build a mountain of anxiety trying to accomplish the things that we associate with a need, when in fact, these are merely desires and wants. Some examples of a need would be like having access to food in your fridge, having a roof over your head, taking care of your physical and mental health, having access to knowledge and opportunities, building a strong bonding relationship with your loved ones and those closest to you, etc., A want or a desire, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, would be like going or wanting to go on a vacation, like making more money, like buying a new house, like purchasing a more expensive car, like expanding your business, like buying expensive clothes and jewelry, like being in a romantic relationship with the person that you want to be with, etc. I can go on and on and on. I believe that a person has every right to feel disappointed for not getting a desire or a want 
And again, I've said this in another podcast and I'll say it here again. If by any stretch of the imagination, now listen carefully, (laughs) if by any stretch of the imagination, you associate having to rebook your Caribbean cruise with the same psychological stress as someone about to be eaten by a tiger, I encourage you to please, I'm begging you, go get therapy. If you associate the same stress of a person that let's say no longer wants to be in a romantic relationship with you and you associate that stress as let's say uh, you know you being a child in Haiti that doesn't know where his par- his or her parents are and you're living on the street by yourself with no food, no water, no roof over your head, you need to once again please go and get therapy. I'm under the impression that a lot of what we deal with on a day-to-day basis usually comes from an invisible enemy that we tend to create in our mind, mostly because we have a difficult time accepting that we have the ability to control the direction, but not the outcome. We have the ability to control how we choose to perceive things and circumstances that happen to us, but that we cannot change those circumstances. Now, maybe we don't have the ability to change those circumstances. We have the ability to control the actions that we take, but we cannot control the actions that are taken against us or choose what actions that are taken against us. By blurring the line and confusing a desire with a need, this can be absolutely detriment to both your physical and mental health. Again, I feel that it is completely all right to feel disappointed or frustrated about roadblocks, challenges, or even failures while trying to accomplish a desire. But understand, this is just a desire. Do not or try to avoid blurring the line between that desire and a need. It's okay, as I said, to feel frustrated or disappointed, but not to the point where it prevents you from focusing and giving yourself the things that you need daily to function at your best personal capacity for you. Time is the most expensive thing you can spend. It is the only thing that you cannot get back. You can build a business, lose a business. You can lose money, you can make more money. But you can never get time back. You'll find it far more fulfilling spending energy and time mostly on things that you need daily, which also includes your individual purpose, than spending a tremendous amount of energy on desires that will bore you and that you'll get over quickly. So why is this so important as a fitness company? Why the heck am I even talking about spirit, the consciousness that pulls you towards passion and long-term fulfillment. Why is this yet again so important? There are many reasons why, but I'm going to strictly stick to the reasons related to the autonomic nervous system. And without, of course, delving too much as to not confuse my audience, the autonomic nervous system is responsible for involuntarily regulating the body's functions like your heartbeat, your digestive system, etc. And it has two major divisions, the sympathetic system and the parasympathetic system. Your sympathetic nervous system is essentially your fight or flight and your parasympathetic nervous system is when you're at rest and when you're not any under any sort of physical or emotional stress. We tend to think 
when we think of recovery from any sort of exercise or fitness training or even from life itself, you know, if you're going to work, taking care of the kids, going to school, etc., we tend to think eat well, sleep well, exercise, which is honestly only part of the truth. Of course, when we eat well, sleep well, exercise, we recover the physical portion of, of stress. Unfortunately, our body does not differentiate the difference between psychological and physical stress. The chemical reactions are the same. So when you're, let's say, chronically in a sympathetic state, your body functions at a very low capacity. You can't digest food effectively. It won't absorb nutrients effectively either. You can't get good quality sleep. You'll get low energy, which affects your ability to exercise well. And worse off, you can end up injuring yourself during exercise with an intensity too high that maybe you're also used to based on being in a sympathetic state chronically. So it's absolutely paramount to overall health that we find ways to recover from psychological stress as well so that we're able to recover and be uh, more effective and more fit and healthier over time. We all know that recovery is essential to any fitness goal. Recovery actually comes from our ability to be parasympathetic most of the time and to be sympathetic or be in a sympathetic state when we need to. So the way I see it, there are two ways to manipulate the autonomic nervous system from a psychological perspective. And the first and most important way is by altering individual perception. You can do this by going to therapy, um, by trying to not blur the lines between a want and a need, as previously mentioned, by taking care of your physical health and by giving your body the things that it needs so that you're not under any sort of physical duress, which will then affect um, affect you psychologically. The other is by effective breathing techniques. Now, um, it, I, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter how effective your breathing is. If by nature, you're a person that's consistently and chronically under psychological and physical duress, and your recovery isn't up to par, unfortunately, practicing breathing, uh, breathing techniques or you know, doing like any sort of like mantras in the morning time will only take you so far. When it comes to being healthy, I always find that people are tend to look for the, you know, the easiest way to get to where they're trying to go, which is completely understandable. You know, you want to try to get the turmeric and see if that's going to help. But I believe that figuring out the base of the problem and trying to find a solution to that base is going to be paramount in, you know, making sure that you have the ability to focus and hone in on the issues at hand. So just not that I have anything against breathing techniques or anything like that. And I'm not saying that for the most part, it might not make you feel better. It could make you feel better for a time. But what I'm saying is delve into the root cause. You know, you can practice the breathing techniques, but delve more into the root cause and try to alleviate that so that you can then practice the breathing techniques and it'll be far more effective. I've got some recommendations that I would like to offer you or each individual that listens to this podcast. Um, as it relates to stress and overcoming it and being able to direct your spirit to the things that pull you, that give you long-term fulfillment. Number one, 
If some guy cuts you off on the highway and you get so angry at the situation, similar to if someone was intentionally trying to kill your whole family, I encourage you to get some therapy. That would be rule number one. Again, if someone makes you feel less valued about who you are than the value that you have in yourself, please get some therapy. Number two, figure out if the current stressors in your own life that you're dealing with in the present time are based on desire, whether it be depressed about not having a desire or anxious about trying to accomplish desire. Try to see if you can link your past experiences or beliefs that you might have with what could be causing so much importance or priority on those desires. If you, if, if you figure out why, you know, if you can figure out what it is that is making you or pushing you into positions of wanting a desire so badly that it's affecting all these areas of your life negatively, you want to see if there are, you know, subconscious triggers that you may not recognize in your day-to-day that will make you feel that way. If you can figure out what beliefs or past experience that you had that are allowing you or putting you in a position where you feel that way about your desires, then try to figure out if there are any subconscious triggers. Because sometimes consciously we don't realize that there's a trigger, but we see something and then that plays on our subconscious and it makes us feel the way that we feel. So avoid triggers and try to surround your thoughts, your circles, your internet searches with the same psychological position that you're trying to accomplish in your own life. And third and last piece of advice or exercise that I'm going to kind of divulge into this uh, area of spirit um, is practicing breathing techniques. Now, before we get into those breathing techniques, it's a good idea to identify Am I a, you know, chronic, I'm a, I'm, in a per, I'm a person that's chronically sympathetic, right? I'm always under some sort of psychological stress. Maybe I recognize it, maybe I don't. I think that there are some physical factors that we can see visually, especially when it comes to me meeting a client for the first time or meeting someone that, I, that I've never met before. This, this is kind of like how I identify if this person is, a person that's chronically stressed out, whether from a physical or psychological perspective, I tend to look at their posture, especially when they're walking. I believe that if a person is very stressed out, their shoulders will tend to protract. So over time, this person is stressed out, then physically, their shoulders protract, kind of like they move forward, and they'll also elevate. And then the spine will eventually go in flexion, which would kind of give that whole vibe of upper cross syndrome, right? You'll look at the person, you'll say, if you're a personal trainer, you'll say you have upper cross syndrome. And I believe that this is the body's way of trying to compensate in taking more air or oxygen. It's trying its best because it's you're so stressed out in order to run effectively, in order for your body to run effectively, it's feeling like it needs to take in more oxygen. Your heart rate will go up and you're trying to take in and use more oxygen. The more air that your body takes in is the less likely that your body is using air effectively, right? So you'll, you'll feel like you have stamina issues. I get a lot of clients that come to me afterwards or uh, before and they're like, I feel like I, you know, like my stamina is not up. 
and I want to be able to increase my ability to be able to do things or have high endurance. And sometimes it's not from a physical perspective, meaning their muscles, their joints are not able to endure the endurance. Sometimes it's that their body cannot use oxygen effectively and they're winded easily. So it's a good idea to pay close attention to posture, especially when a person's walking or when you're walking. Another thing to pay close attention to if you're very sympathetic is if you're biting down on your teeth, if you're grinding your teeth consecutively, these are kind of like kind of physical identifiers as to whether or not you are a person that is chronically sympathetic. So one is that posture while walking, trying to take in more air. If you're breathing through your mouth, that's another indicator as well, right? Like the only time I'm breathing through my mouth typically is at two, two reasons. So two times of like my life. It's usually when I'm training, doing some sort of exercise or if like someone's saying something to me that's putting me in a position where I feel like I'm in some sort of duress. And you'll see it. You'll see when a person gets super stressed out psychologically, they'll either breathe from their mouth and their chest will start to rise far more. They're trying to take in more oxygen because this is the fight or flight sequence. You're about to engage in something, either a confrontation psychologically or something's happening or you're under some sort of psychological, emotional duress, right? And when you see me train, if you have me on social media, You'll see that before I deadlift or before I do any sort of exercise, I'll actually try my best to take in as much air as I can by protracting and elevating my shoulder blades, especially when I'm about to deadlift or if I'm about to squat. You'll see me protract and elevate my shoulder blades and kind of put my spine in flexion just a little bit. And then I'll hold the air. Then I'll retract my shoulder blades, the press, put my spine into extension. And then now I feel like I can create a lot more intra-abdominal pressure. Sure, I'll probably more be more stable from that intra-abdominal pressure, but I also feel like I'm now jazzed up and my body's taking up all this oxygen for me to be able to prepare myself for a feat of strength. So paying attention to these little cues will tell you if you're a sympathetic person more often than not. I'll try not to get into the, oh, well, I was told that I have upper cross syndrome or my spine is in flexion consecutively and like my shoulders protract and elevate because I sit down all the time. I've said this in another podcast. Really what matters is your body's ability to actively get into position. So if you can't extend your spine when you're actively going to do something, you can't pro you can't retract your shoulder blades, depress, that's an issue. But as it relates to stress and breathing specifically, we are definitely talking at resting posture or more or less resting posture because this person is not about to do any sort of um, uh, feet with their upper body or anything like that. Mostly just when they're walking, what does their posture look like? And usually that dictates whether or not this person is a sympathetic or parasympathetic person. Not saying that a, para- a person that is parasympathetic more often than not won't have that posture is just a tell if this person is um, you know chronically stressed psychologically they may have this problem um, with their posture and if it's a parasympathetic person I found that you know if they're in that position when they walk it's super easy for me to get them into into any sort of active position that they need to be. And what I found is that people that are super stressed out now walk in that position or stand in that position, 
when we try to get into these positions where now they have to thoracically extend and try to, you know, retract those shoulder blades and depress the shoulder blades, it becomes fairly more difficult. So um, just a disclaimer, because I know there's going to be some naysayers out there that are going to uh, try to tear this apart. So the exercise of breathing is typically not an exercise. I would say it's mostly a, an examination or a test. When you're at rest, try to see or figure out how many breaths you're actually taking in a minute. So just breathe normally. Make sure that you're at a time at rest. It's throughout the day, whatever time. And just see how many breaths you take in that minute. Me, I'm at about 16. So try to see if you can beat me on that. The more breaths you take in a minute will dictate whether or not you are, again, in a sympathetic state more often than not. So if you're taking in like 30 plus breaths in a minute, then you might be chronically sympathetic. And then that could be uh, a problem for you uh, from a physical perspective on how your body digests food and all that other stuff that we already spoke about. So that would be one of the tests. And then the other one is to actually try to control your breathing and see how many breaths that you can limit in a minute. So how many breaths can you actively take? Now, you might feel a little bit dizzy doing this because I've I've done it and I've gotten a little bit dizzy. Um, I, I'm at about four breaths in a minute. So I can limit my breaths to about four in a minute and I'll feel okay. I tried to do this for two minutes and I got a little bit dizzy, but try to see how many you can uh, you can take and the least amount of breaths that you can force yourself to take in a minute will dictate whether or not you are chronically uh, sympathetic or parasympathetic um, at that time. I also encourage you to try it at different times of the day because you, as we know, our psychological stressors will change and vary throughout the day. So try it throughout the day and see, you know, at this time of the day, like I feel okay, but I'm taking in more breaths. That might be an indicator that there was a psychological subconscious trigger that you witnessed that now put you in that sympathetic state. And then try to see at a different point in time, like I said, is the breath margin the same, the amount of breaths that I'm taking in that minute, is it the same throughout the day or is it varying and changing? And this is going to tell you how effectively your body's taking in oxygen. And then more importantly, is your autonomic nervous system in a position where it's working effectively and allowing you to be able to have more energy throughout the day and be able to do um, uh, recover from the exercises that let's say you're doing or recover from your day, your work, uh, your regular life. I'm going to try to make a video um, showing myself doing this examination, but I just wanted to say that for the examination where you're trying to take the least amount of breaths possible, what you want to do is you want to breathe in through your nose and take in as much air as you can as slowly as you possibly can. Then you want to hold your breath for about five seconds and then release the air through your mouth as slowly as you can. So empty your lungs as slowly as you can and then repeat that for a minute and see how many breaths you actually need in a minute to be able to function uh, well and be okay. And like I said, you might feel a little bit dizzy but it's a good examination and a good indicator to be able to determine whether or not you are chronically stressed uh, from a psychological per position. And just a bonus piece of advice. 
When it comes to workout or training intensity, you want to make sure that it correlates with the amount of recovery that you're getting. So if you're not recovering both from a psychological and physical perspective to a point where you can push yourself that hard each time, it's probably not a good idea or recommended to do so. So making sure that your training correlates with the amount of recovery that you're able to give yourself daily is going to allow you to see more progressive results over time than for you to force yourself to increase stress, which is physical stress at this point when it comes to exercise, while not being able to recover effectively. So very, very important. Don't go heavy or super heavy all the time. You'll destroy your central nervous system and not be able to recover effectively. Don't go too intense as well to where you cannot actively recover um, effectively rather recover uh, outside of those training sessions. And this also, once again, includes psychological recovery. Very, very important. So in conclusion, spirit as the last S in healthness is relative to the thing that pulls individuals to long-term success and happiness. I believe in my opinion that this area of my company, which is why it's the first acronym in my company that I'm doing a podcast on, I think and I believe that this is the most important aspect of overall wellness by far. Your nutrition could be well or close to perfect for you. Your exercise could be great. You know, you can sleep and sleep for hours. But I believe that if you are not honing in on your body's ability to recover and to be able to have long-term fulfillment in the things that pull you, it becomes increasingly difficult to achieve your fitness goals. As a fitness professional, I strive to provide individuals with the opportunity to be able to get to where they're going with their fitness so that the determination that they get from accomplishment in the fitness space or while trying to accomplish a fitness goal, can translate into other opportunities of long-term fulfillment in their own personal lives. There's something to be said about the act of pursuing the challenge of achieving the thing that pulls you to obtain the equation so that you can live a life full of answers. And I'll say that again. You want to be able to obtain the equation so that you can live your life full of answers. Remember, Preventative measures are far less costly than having to find or pay time and money into a cure. So I hope those words stay with you guys for a long time because this will take you a long way, especially when it comes to fitness and when it comes to any sort of goal that you're trying to accomplish in your own personal life. I encourage you guys to try the test and see how many breaths you can take in a minute so that we can gauge your autonomic nervous system. And like I said, I'll try to make a video on that. So you guys will have something that you can reference from. And as always, if you guys got questions, comments, concerns related to your health and fitness or this podcast, feel free to message me on Instagram, healthness4cnd, or via my email, healthness469 at gmail.com.